Welcome back. This is your internet uncle. Today we're going to talk about Vietnamese gangs. Well, my limited knowledge of Vietnamese gangs and my experiences with run-ins with them. So my old man told me that once you're in the life, the gang life, you never really leave. And thinking about it, it kind of makes sense. So let's say you're in it, you know, you don't get killed somehow. Maybe you end up in jail or maybe... You know, you, you think you get free and you, you go back to, you know, mundane, regular life. Well, some people can, may consider you a loose end. Are you going to rat? You know, what do you know? Who do you know? Right? You may not think you know anything, but do other people think that? That the cops? Do your, you know, former members of your gang? Any case, Vietnamese gangs became really prominent in the news during the 90s. They're still around. It's not like they've gone away, but you know, it was uh, a couple things kind of very public essence kind of put it to the forefront. You know, it's been still in the back of some people's mind and right, kind of surprised to see some people just kind of pull the hair triggers like, oh, you know, can't dress those Vietnamese. Always gang, always in the gangs, right? Just like my uh, one classmate from high school, mom thought I was a gang. Not part of a gang, but a gang, a one-man gang. She told him not to hang out with me. You know, I was a straight-A student. Didn't matter. I was Vietnamese. I was a gang. So... Like in a lot of classic gangster movies, like Goodfellas, that's I haven't seen too many, like end to end. But Goodfellas is the one I I have seen in totality, and it kind of sums it up where, you know, the guys see you know these other guys, you know, they got the money, they got the girls, the notoriety, the you know, freedom to do where the fuck they want, the ability to get away from the you know the oppressiveness of you know living under their parents, right, in the very traditional ways, you know, after being uprooted from what everything they knew and thrown into a new life, right, where they don't know the language, they don't know the culture, they're getting picked on, right, and they're being looked down upon, and, you know, they're sick of it, and at the same time, there's pressure for them to make money, to bring money into the family, right, so, some, Turn to gangs, right? There's probably other reasons, right? But these are the ones I I know from my limited experience, right? Like I mentioned previously, uh, my adopted older brother Tony got into the gang life. You know, he uh, he went to jail, he got out, and you know, you know, the bro and the old man had seen him on occasion. Right, and we kind of formally kind of met up with him again, spent some time with him, and you know, and the old man was still suspicious because uh, he and at that point his current wife girlfriend, they had a shop in a really dead end mall, and you know he'd visit them and he'd never seen them ever busy, never seen any customers, so you know, you can put two and together together, right? Uh, to add to that. This one time when I was still with the ex and with her sister and 
sister, we went to a Korean barbecue and he was there, right? With some pretty rough looking guys. They were pretty drunk, pretty sauced, right? And they were uh, getting a little rambunctious. But no one was telling them to quiet down, right? And they, they asked if they wanted to go to the strippers and, you know, sister-in-law wanted to go, right? But they got rowdier and we slipped on out of there. any case, there was uptick in uh, Vietnamese gang violence in the 90s, you know, led to stereotypes like the one that was applied to me, that all Vietnamese people were gangsters, right? And didn't help that there was a kid. So this one I thought, uh, I thought he was stabbed, but apparently he was ha killed with a hatchet. And I can't find the news article because this was like, you know, 26 years ago. But it was a pair of brothers, from what I remember. Again, memory is kind of shaky. So a pair of brothers, they are attacked in West Edmonton Mall. One died from the injuries. Right. I can only find a random kind of little uh, blog-style website kind of outlining you know, a little bit of Edmonton's history. But you know, they're not the best written, and there's no uh, no citation mm -hmm. to any, you know, formal publication, unfortunately. And, oh, there was a fellow, uh, my mom knew about this one. There was a fellow, the deal gone wrong, so he was killed, and his body was, you know, chopped up in a condo in downtown Edmonton. And, you know, blood got everywhere, so it actually started dripping down into you know, the heating system. And the downstairs neighbor noticed there's blood dripping from the ceiling, so he called the cops, and that's how these guys got caught, you know, with a butchered up body. Right? Uh, there's another fellow. Oh, uh, okay, so this one, uh, let me just start over here. So there used to be a restaurant called Mirama, and it was the place to go for dim sum and weddings, not Marco Polo. That's always been a shithole, right? You don't know, like, my mom worked there for a couple days, and, you know, she said, you know, she was like, hey, the chicken has maggots in it, and no one cared. They had been repeatedly shut down for health violations, and people still like going to eat there. Probably because it's cheap, I guess. Anyways, so Miramar was the place, right? It's torn down now, you know, cleared out for LRT station. But during its heyday, you know, they held, held a lot of weddings and stuff, it was really cool, nice looking place. And for whatever reason, they booked two weddings. Like it was a pretty big place, so you know they kind of spaced it out. But the weddings for were two different sets of gangs. Rival gangs. Which led to a few people getting stabbed and killed and a little bit of a gun battle in the parking lot outside later. So what I've been told, and so now this may be a bit of a telephone game and a bit of faulty memory, was that one, you know, one uh, couple was the lady was had been a girlfriend of a different rival gang, so maybe that was tied into this. So the other wedding was he, he ended up marrying someone else, but you know, initially he had been with the girl this guy was marrying, and maybe that led to the conflict or. And it gave additional reason to the conflict. In any case, Miramar had a permanent 20% off their prices from then on till they closed about, you know, decade and a half later. 
So now, I think tied into that, there's another guy. You know, some of the fallout from this, some more people, you know, got shot and killed and whatever. And one of the guys who killed, made an attempt on some guy's life, you know, took off. And the reason he took off, right, because he, were, he there was already a warrant out for his arrest because he had stabbed a UPS driver because they got into a bit of a road rage and got into an argument. And he stabbed the dude, like, in the stomach, and the guy bled to death. So the Vietnamese guy who stabbed the UPS guy, he eventually got gunned down in Vancouver. You know, and the UPS driver's mom said... You know, I don't care. I never forgive him. I hope he burns in hell. I don't care what that says about me. Because, you know, she lost her son. Right. And in, so between the hatchet attack and, you know, the knifing, and there's various other uh, attacks, generally with, with knives or blunt instruments, because it seems nowadays it's easier to get guns. Uh, I think they originate from Toronto. Maybe they may come from the States, Uh you know, I haven't looked into it, and this is just a guess, right? Or maybe, you know, it's not like Alberta doesn't have a border with the U.S., so maybe it's coming across, you know, from Montana. But, you know, 30 years ago, it was generally the violence it was less with guns than with knives, right? So if you had listened to my previous podcast about this, that's why I labeled it Never Trust a Viet with a Knife. <laughs> so... The one time I went to a concert you know, with Vietnamese singers, and these are singers from Vietnam or, you know, Vietnamese, Vietnamese American singers who come up here, right? And it's a big thing, you know, for for most Vietnamese people, not for my family, but we're weirdos, right? But you know, the ex wanted to go, so we went, right? And it was the first time, and it wasn't like you know, it wasn't like a large concert, you know, maybe a couple hundred people in a big big hall. But there were a lot of police there and metal detectors. And this was a uh, novel for me. And soon I figured figured out why. Because so we were kind of in like kind of the back corner, right? And like closer to the front to the stage, right? The gang of you know, well actual gang. Right? There's guy you know, a bunch of rowdy guys, right? Then, you know, just kinda of look around, there's another big group of sort of rowdy guys coming and then it went dead quiet. The ushers that fucked up. Or the plant organizers that fucked up. And then didn't realize they almost they put two rival gangs sitting close to each other, one another close to the front stage. Right? So the head one of the you know the head ushers, you know, fixed things and got people moved so because these guys were about to throw down at this concert. So it's not just me who's had, had run-ins with <laughs> gang. My mom, um, she worked hard. Like she did work two or three jobs and, you know, she took extra work where she could and she got a job cleaning, uh, you know, doing early morning cleaning at this billiard hall. Like, you know, most billiard halls, like they run later afternoon, evening, early morning. So she'd come in like, you know, really early morning to clean things up. She got driven out of there because the owner's brother or brother-in-law you know, was a cock, right? Didn't like her. You know, my mom didn't argue because, like, she knew this guy, you know, probably was, you know, higher up in the gang. And you just don't mess with gangsters. If they don't like you, right, like, don't get on their bad side. You just get out. But the reason my mom figured this is one time she came in early, you know, she came in, and usually there wasn't anyone there. One day there was, right? 
and it was the owner's son and his posse. You know, she kept away from them. You know, she did her business and she didn't get in, listen or, you know, try to sneak a listen or whatever. She just did her job and got out. Right. So I don't know, if, you know, if the, the other, the older guy, you know, thinking like, you know, she was spying, she was spying on them, going to rat them out to the cops. Right. You know, some of these guys are super paranoid. Just going back, you know, a little more on that billiard hall. So the guy, so obviously the the guy's son had been a dealer. He had just got out of jail, but he'd been smart. You know, he had got his dad to, you know, launder the money to buy houses, buy cars, buy, you know, whatnot under his name. So when the son got out, you know, in the case, you know, the son went to jail and he had gone to jail. When he came out, he used to have capital assets. So it's not just billiard halls that can be used to launder money, right? It's not just Vietnamese, Vietnamese gangs who launder money, right? There's people figure out if, you know, a place isn't too busy, right? But they're always open and they've been open for quite a while. You know, you can put two and two together. A uh, very popular one I've been, I was told is nail salons, right? And, uh, I kind of learned this inadvertently because so the ex wanted to open a nail salon. She, like she had always told me that her dream was to open a business, right? Okay, so you know, I made a sacrifice, right? I just started a new job too, so like you know, it, it takes a lot to like start up, you know, set up, register a business with the feds, right? You know, set up all the accounts, like and whatnot. You know, sign the rental agreement, get the renovations going, and dumping almost like a hundred k into this, right? And she and like uh, this sister-in-law's husband kind of was like oh you should sell this you know there's some gangsters but mm -hmm. and at this point this point i got you know short on sleep full of worry right you know deep in the red starting this thing up right after i just paid off a bunch of debt right we went heavier into debt just to get things started for her and just to come out of the blue and not telling me in the first fucking place which i would have agreed probably agreed to it's like hey you know, we put some money into this. We can sell it, you know, flip it to someone, to a gangster, so they can launder money. You know, fuck. And we make a profit. I'm like, fine, right? You're up front of it. Don't dance around the fact that you want to do this, right? And, you know, kind of half-jokingly, so, oh, yeah, you know, it'd be great if we could sell this off to a gangster now that we're all done. It's like, you know, you read the fucking room. So, uh... You listen to kind of the Ain the Asian themed podcast, you probably get this sense that it's like I don't like a lot of Vietnamese people, and as you know, my family doesn't get along with a lot of Vietnamese people, and it's not like we it started off that way, right? But there's just a culture clash for whatever reason, and I think a big part of it is that I is not just like my old man who is uh, so I get my social ineptness, you know, from him. Right? Like my, my my mom is very you know socially attuned, right? But she doesn't like anyone's bullshit, right? And she's lived through a lifetime of it. And you know, I get it. So I get it from both of them. And there's a lot of uh, kind of I guess social dancing, right? It's hard to explain. You know, it's just you just like talking. You know, just tell me straight up what the fuck you want. Vietnamese people can get very tiresome.
So maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's like gang related. Anyways, I don't know where I'm going with that. So we're back to the gangs. So one last story. Actually, no, there's a couple, a couple more stories. That's a lie. So a couple more stories. So the ex, uh, I think I mentioned this before. She used to have three other uh, lady friends, right? They were born in the same year, uh, the year of the pig. And you know, so they called themselves the four pigs, right? And one, uh, I think I mentioned before, one's pair of lesbians, but one actually was bisexual because she ended up marrying some guy and like having kids, right? So she might call herself a lesbian, but I'm pretty sure that's the definition of a bis- at least a bisexual. In any case, you know, they naturally, you know, they grew apart for whatever reason, right? Then one day, you know, the, the ex gets a call, you know, from the, the single one saying that, you know, she really needed some people to come to her wedding, surprising her and the other two, two ladies, right? And, uh, you know, they were confused and, but she, you know, she explained like she was being disowned by her family. And when we got to the wedding, we understood why. She was marrying a much older guy. She was his second wife. This guy was a drug lord. Because it, was, it wasn't a very big wedding, right? There was like, I think, 23 tables, so like 30 people. But the other, I think there was maybe some, I don't remember, but I just remember the other, one of the other tables is just full of guys. Very rambunctious guys. You know, probably members of his gang. Uh, just starting a little scattered here. Uh, my notes are not the greatest, but someone the ex knew. I think she had worked together with this lady, and the lady ended up op- opening her own nail salon. She invited us to her house one time for a barbecue. It was great. And three months later, the ex casually mentioned, "Oh, her husband, who was a cable star, so he was making decent money, ended up was going to jail because he had been selling drugs." Now. Final story, promise, not lying this time. So one time, you know, did a night trip to Calgary. Drove the ex and her aunt, you know, to aunt's friend's birthday party down in Calgary. Right? So, you know, they had a Chinese banquet. You know, Vietnamese people tend to have go have Chinese banquets for people's birthday. Right? And, you know, the spidey sense was tingly for me when they brought out much higher quality items than I'm used to for Chinese banquet. So if you have like, um, you know, meat like chicken or beef or pork at a Chinese banquet, right? You're getting the mid to lower tier for a banquet. You have like lobster, crab, shrimp, (coughs) excuse me, you know, seafood, right? Shark fin soup, you know, the status symbol, right? You know you're at a higher end banquet, and that's that's what this was. It was all like seafood dishes I really never had had before. Uh, dessert really floored me because it was uh, mango pudding. It was very nice. Normally you get either like orange slices or you know really goopy red bean dessert soup, and so that was that was one thing. You know, you, know, you can't just base things on you know one observation. You know, the Viet ladies, so these ladies, uh, so these folks we were at, at this bank with, they're a bit older, like 50s, maybe touching 60s or some of them, right? So their generation, still part of a very conservative generation, right? A generation where ladies t- typically do not drink or smoke. 
And of course, by this time, we're not allowed to smoke in public spaces in Alberta. But the ladies were drinking heavily. Right? And I heard one lady, you know, complain to this, her friend saying, Oh, I bought this purse. I bought it for $1,000. I actually don't like it. Can you buy it off me, please? Just, I'll, just give me 300 Right? It was a designer purse. Well, or a, a purse with a you know, fancy label. Right? Of course, and their husbands or boyfriends or whatever were also loud and rambunctious. Right? It's not hard to put two and two together. Right? So on the drive home back to Edmonton, the ex, you know, asked, the, you know, said like, "Oh, those are gangsters," and I told her, "Yeah, I know." It's like, well, "How do you know?" It's like, like everything I just mentioned. It's like, it's not hard to figure out who's a gangster. So, you know, this was an episode just focused about gangsters, you know, and it may seem like, you know, I'm adding to the stereotype. All of these people are gangsters, but you know, most people, like with any. You know any group right most people just work live you have kids you know try to give them a good life right that's it now no one really cares about you know the boring mundane lives most of us live it's not the exciting stuff it's what the not what the newspapers care about either right but you know i've met lots of people and you know lots of good Vietnamese people too and i'm saying that you know like i don't just you know i dislike a bunch of them right doesn't mean they're bad it's just we just don't see eye to eye. You know, I'd like to just say it's more of a function of just me being a cock, but you know, it's just, I was just fascinated how many encounters I've had with <laughs> gangsters, right? And, oh, and I just remembered, I worked with this fellow, this uh, Filipino guy, you know, and uh, he was a technologist, Technologist or engineer, I can't remember. Anyways, he was in the, you know, we part of a company that joined ours, and he was actually telling me, giving the lowdown update on like gang stuff, and I was surprised, right? And these weren't Vietnamese gangs; these were, um, I think, mixed group, just mixed ethnicity gangs. And he was telling me there is a guy who had just been popped, and told me, you know, there's already been a, there already been like a, a number of murders. And they seem to be all unrelated, but like they're not unrelated. Is the newspapers just don't want to mention like they're all gang members, right? Because they're different ethnicities and stuff, right? So you can see where the media would have a bias there. But it's, yeah, you know, because one of the top guys got killed. Now there's you know retribution killings going back and forth, right? So there are lots of good people out there. Most people are just trying to live their lives, right? This. Hopefully just some interesting stories. And gangsters are always friendly until you piss them off. They like most like most people, but even more so when they get mad. Anyways, thank you for listening. And for your viewing consideration, since we've been talking a little bit about drinking, probably need a maybe need it well, I need a drink after this anyways, reminiscing about the X and running because of her. Recommend a channel called Cocktail Chemistry where this gentleman makes some fantastic cocktails, including using some very uh, modern techniques. One thing I would never ever do, like, you know, smoking a drink. I think that's that's a thing. I'm, I'm not even kidding. And yeah, anyways, thanks again for listening. Thank you to Dennis, and catch you later.